All right, welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.18, and today we're looking into grace. My name is Shannon Wesley Kirkpatrick, and I'm the teacher for Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zachary Rios, and I'm a student studying youth ministry and pastoral leadership. What's your middle name? Richard. Richard. My brother's middle name, fun random fact that nobody really needs to know, is Encarnacion. Are you serious? I am. What is that? It is Spanish. What does it mean? I have no idea. Oh, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Um, and then we have we have another guest speaker who's been here. Uh, how many? Tori Doty. Yeah. How many times have you been here? This is my third time being here. You did prayer and love and love. Yep. Do you have middle name? Uh, Victoria Lee Doty. Actually, I knew that. Yep. Yeah, because because of the email address. Yeah. Um. So here we are. Uh, that's the three of us and ghost as always. Very uh, formal introduction on this yeah, episode. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. And so today we're, we're getting into grace. So let's, as always, let's first kind of recap. We, we do this, so if you've listened to the, to the previous episode, but it's been a while, just a reminder, or if, if you, this is like the first episode you've ever listened to, we want to recap kind of where we've been coming from and where we're headed uh, so you can talk about context. And we, and we do want to encourage people, we've talked about this before, um, everything we we teach and explain tends to build on the previous things. Mm-hmm. So it's very helpful to go back and listen. So, cause we actually put a, a we're very conscious in the order that we put all of these. Yep. Um, and so it's helpful to go back and listen to all the previous ones. Cause it'll help you better understand this one just as a heads up. But, uh, anyways, so, so what have we been doing? So season three has been all about the unpacking process. And so the unpacking process is not just taking like the typical churches or even American English definitions for words that we use, but getting back to scripture, looking at the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek, um, trying to find every verse in the Bible that touches on that topic and then reading through contextually mm-hmm. through those verses to really get a more accurate picture of what the Bible would say is this concept. A lot of times it's definitely in line with what we've already thought, though it can challenge us. Yeah. Um, but the, the phrase that I like to say is, you know, let the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint. So we've been doing that for all these different topics here in season three. So here we are in, in you know, episode 18. And, and some of those episodes have multiple parts. So I think this is actually like the 25th or 26th recording that Something we've done. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So anyways, um, so, so, so that's, that's what the unpacking series is all about why did we pick the topics that we picked and why do we put them in the order that we put them in? What we're trying to do is, is we're trying to get at kind of what life is all about. Like, like, you know, kind of who a little bit of who God is, that'll be more in other seasons that are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but who God is and what he's trying to do in this life and what life is all about and how we should respond to it. And one of those biggest questions overall is with the evil and sin and wrongdoing. Yeah. Why does God allow it? What does he do in response to it? What should we do in response to it? And a lot of times we tend to take an oversimplified approach to that, like the simplified view of justice that we discussed a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and that we don't want to hold to the simplified view of justice or the simplified view of life. It's actually very complex, and so we need to kind of wrestle with the complexity of it all. So another thing with this is all of these are, are not isolated from each other. They all kind of play in together. So sometimes as we're discussing a topic, we then talk about the implications that it has on other of these concepts. Um, What we realized is 
that we're, we decided we're going to go ahead and do a whole episode, which I think is going to be two episodes from now. Um, and it may take two episodes, by the way. Um, but we'll do a one or two part thing on actually taking all of these mm-hmm. and trying to put it all together and what picture is painted. What What is this crazy puzzle that comes together when you put all these pieces together? It's really complex. It's also eye-opening uh, and yeah, I think encouraging. Really um, but what, what we'll realize is as we're giving, as we're doing each one of these episodes on that piece of the puzzle that we can only touch on the implications a little bit because it would just start to confuse things. So one way that you can look at this series is we've done we've done 18 episodes on 18 pieces of the puzzle. Um, and we're going to try to stay pretty much just on that piece of the puzzle that we're dealing with, with a little bit of implication. Um, and then once, and then once we finish with that, then we get them all done. So we've done, we've done 15, I think so far, 15 or 16. And then, and then today's grace. And then next week is mercy. And that's that last piece of the puzzle. And, th- and then we'll put them all together. Mm-hmm. So just explain so you can understand there, there's a method to our madness. Yeah. Right. With all of this. Um, and so, so we look, so what were all these pieces? You can go back and look on, on uh, Podbean. You can see the, the list of all of them, but what we're looking at faith, uh, and maturity, we're looking at hope and heaven, love, glory, interdeterminism, good, evil and sin, suffering, prayer, grieving, patience and endurance, righteousness and judge, uh, justice, and then judgment and punishment, which was this, just this last episode that we did. Um, so once we have grace and mercy done, then, then we'll have all the pieces and we'll, we'll bring it together. And we'll discuss that elephant in the room that, mm-hmm. that we've been referencing. Um, let me ask you guys, both of you, because you guys have been doing a lot of these studies over the years and you've done some of the other, other stuff that Rekindling has done. This whole idea of like looking at each of these pieces carefully, or another analogy that we've given is like the forest. And we talk about like there's like each concept is its own tree mm-hmm. with kind of the roots and the trunk and the branches, but then they intersperse with the other concepts. So, like, I think humility and peace went really well together, yeah. et cetera. Anyway, so you could also use the forest analogy, but for you guys, as, as whether you use the puzzle analogy or this forest analogy, as you've started looking at all of these individual pieces and what they, what they mean according to scripture, and then what, what that forest or that puzzle looks like together, what has it done for you guys? For me, it's changed so much, um, coming into it and studying one concept at a time and just kind of taking it. One of those pieces or one of those trees, at a time is is less overwhelming than trying to tackle the whole forest yeah. at a time and, and understanding everything. Um, but one of the things that has stood out to me the most about these topics that we've been studying is that there's so much overlap and there's so yeah. much uh, where they play into each other and an, a deeper understanding of one deeply plays into uh, your understanding of the next and they really do play on each other and it does paint a more vivid picture of that forest. I feel like it's like, it's looking at a group of trees without glasses on and then you Mm. put glasses on, you can see all the leaves and the details and all of that. And that's kind of the picture that I've been getting of all of these by doing these studies is getting a clearer picture of the individual parts of that forest. Um, How has that affected you and your walk with God? Uh, so much, <laughs> so much, in, specifically in the last year. I think it was about a year ago we did this grace study. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after that, we did the love study. Yep. Um, so it was kind of just taking a lot of what I thought I believed and realizing like I might need to start over. I might need to start from scratch and and let this, like what I'm learning, kind of paint the picture that the Bible is painting and be willing to change my beliefs um, to what the Bible is actually telling me. Yeah. Um, and that has changed so much. And I've had so much more 
peace in my life and so much less anxiety. And that's something I've struggled with. Mm. I mean, on a daily basis, my entire life. Um, so for 30 years, right. <laughs> severe anxiety, um, and, and significantly less of that in the last year, which has been really encouraging to me. So then with that, you've gotten a deeper, richer, more colored understanding, mm-hmm. which has brought you peace, yeah. which helps counter the anxiety. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you, great. Zach? Something that we talk about a lot is allowing the details of the Bible to affect the details of our life. And I think that a lot of times growing up in church, I did learn a lot of different concepts. Mm -hmm. And I had general ideas of these different concepts. But what going through piece by piece, individual concept by individual concept, defining them, figuring out what scripture actually teaches about them, and then forming, letting that shape my theology has changed. I, I really like the imagery that Tori used, it's made it a lot more crisper of an image. Mm-hmm. It's gone from um, just kind of this watercolor painting to you can start seeing pixels. Yeah. Um, just that whole idea um, that when you actually have a definition to the word that you're using, it just, especially for me being a very analytical person, uh, just helps me put things together, I think, in a more accurate way. Yep. And it's just really allowed me to see how these different things play together, yep. which, to answer the question you're about to ask, um, has impacted my walk with Christ in a really substantial way as well, just because when I actually start doing, when I actually start changing my character to align with God's mm-hmm. through an understanding of these different concepts the behavior changes almost automatically. Like when I'm actually going through and I'm actually aligning myself with God and um, cultivating the character that he has, then somehow, and it's really not that strange if you think about it, um, all of a sudden my behavior actually starts to fall in line. Right, just And And instead of pursuing behavior in order to get the internal change, flipping that, has just been really powerful, and I think going concept by concept has allowed me to recognize that more. That's great. Yeah, I think for me, I think growing up, maybe I saw like Christianity as far as like there's these several pillars of truth, but I didn't know there's any connection between any of them or there's any other details. I also I think I think I, ten, I tended to see it more like in black and white, and n- not black and white as far as like all or nothing, but black and white as far as like no color. Right, it's kind of more like a dull. It is there, and as I recommitted to God after my crazy stage and uh, and all that, just saw all the color. I saw how everything interconnected. Um, it was a much more vivid story that like God was up to a whole lot more than I realized. Hmm. He he had thought this all out a whole lot more than I realized. He was more intentional and invested than I realized, um, and was was blown away by it. So yeah, so with that. Can can you Zach give us just a, we won't recap every all these fifteen topics <laughs> sure but the last episode we did judgment and punishment can you go ahead and give us just a quick recap of what the judgment and punishment was about sure uh, so we talked about first just defining what judgment is and we said that it was a careful discerning evaluation of a person's attitude behavior that sort of thing and then what you're evaluating is you're evaluating how it actually compares to the beneficial parameters that God has set out. So one thing on that is just, we saw, we realized that judgment is for the most part a neutral term. Mm -hmm. So in English, we say, don't judge me, right? And there's these negative connotations. Biblically, the judge is just, you're just simply evaluating Mm -hmm. 
whether you or another, and you should evaluate yourself first, right? Yeah. If we did another, um, evaluate whether you're aligning with the parameters that God has set. And it's something that we should be doing. We should be doing, yeah. Uh, and then we also talk about punishment. We, without like being demeaning. Yes, because, and that's the difference. We should be evaluating what we're doing and lovingly evaluating what others are doing. Um, but we also shouldn't let that affect how we view them. Right, right. Um, and that sort of thing. And we unpack that more obviously, in the episode. Um, And then we also talked about punishment. So we said that there were four layers or levels, and this isn't punishment um, across the board, like as it relates to salvation. What we more focused on was punishment for obeying or disobeying uh, or for staying in or not staying in God's beneficial parameters is more what we talked about. So the first level of that... So this applies to both believers and non-believers. Yeah, yeah. So the first level of this, of punishment, is this restorative, gentle, and patient warning. And this happens very frequently. Like if we were to put this on a 0 to 100 scale, like this is 0 to 90. Yeah. That this happens. As we're going through, we're doing uh, things that we aren't supposed to be doing. We're disobeying. Just that restorative, gentle, patient warning. And so that's the long suffering mm-hmm. for long. And, and, and there's exceptions to that. that sometimes it's a fairly short warning period sure. before God moves in. But in general, one of the patterns that we saw in the scripture was, in general, when 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 you do some wrong, and God carefully evaluates that, okay, mm-hmm. it's wrong, he wants to, his whole goal is to get you aligned with him in those parameters. Mm-hmm. So he will gently, patiently warn you back into that for long periods of time. Yeah. And then once that stops working, or once we get to a 91 so this is like 91 to 99 then it transitions into more of still restorative that's important and we talked a lot about that uh but it's more of that harsh rebuke or what you would typically define as punishment yeah i don't i think i put the notes but like some sort of affliction yeah and but the focus is to get you back on track and the reason it's happening is because that's all you're listening to now You've ignored the gentle warnings, and so now this is God really trying to get your attention, trying to, hey, no, we need to actually be coming back to my beneficial parameters. You need to stop going in the direction you're going because it's going to lead to a place that you don't want to be in. So one of the things we said there is there's different types of punishment. So there's restorative punishment, Mm -hmm. which the point, what is the point of the punishment? To get you back into those good beneficial parameters. Then there's the punitive punishment or retributive punishment, which we're going to get to in a minute. And so, so what you're saying is from zero to 90, it's not punitive. It's not harm for harm. Mm-hmm. It's actually restorative. And even the 91 to 99 is also not retributive. Yeah. It's restorative. So he, he is afflicting you with something, but it's not because, because you caused trouble, I'm not bringing you trouble. Mm-hmm. It's... Listen, you're causing trouble. I want to get you to stop. I tried to warn you for a long period of time. You weren't listening to the warning. So now I have to up the ante severely mm-hmm. to get your attention. And that goes back to the simple view of justice versus the complex view of justice, which we talked about two episodes before right. and then also last episode. Yep. And so the next level, and this is kind of that 100, is really a protective purging. And so this is protecting others. And this is removing you from the earth. This uh, is really death. And the reason that this happens is because you're, you weren't going to come around. God tried to gently and patiently warn you. He tried to have these really increasing harsh rebukes. And you were just ignoring all of it. And so he just takes you off the chessboard. 
is really what that last one is there. So those three stages are kind of in life now. Mm -hmm. Long periods of, of a warning type punishment, then a shorter period of a pretty severe affliction, but it's still restorative, not punitive. Mm -hmm. And then, then just this, all right, I'm taking you off the chessboard. Yeah. Right. And then lastly, there was an element of this retributive and vengeful punishment and destruction, and that's reserved for Gehenna or hell. And uh, there was a little discussion on whether that's permanent or that's eternal, but this is really that idea of it being harm for harm. Since you caused this detriment to others, then this detriment is going to happen to you. Yeah. So, so that study for me, um, before the study, I would have said God doesn't punish you because he, because he loves you and he's forgiven you. But as we went through it all, I realized, no, he's still going to warn you. He'll, he'll still give you the affliction to get you back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he has to take you off the chessboard because yeah. you're causing too much trouble. Um, but none of that is bad. And I realized that, oh, God will punish you, but because you're actually clarifying what the purpose of the punishment mm -hmm. is, it, 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 it's, it makes it easier to like accept. Second thing is, I also would have said that God doesn't do retributive punishment. But then I realized from the study that that is part of the point of Gehenna, of the Lake of Fire, mm -hmm. um, that it is a harm for harm. And that sometimes there's exceptions that that will happen during life, but in general it tends to be reserved for that. But by but once we actually went through all that study, um, I was like, oh, okay, this is, I, I come around to that, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, now Tori, so last week Craig was did the recording with us, but you were in that study. Yes. Is there anything you would like to add about judgment punishment? I, um, judgment and punishment is one of those things. I feel like we all have those topics that we just kind of stay away from, uh, for various reasons. This was definitely one for me where I assumed a lot about it. Like I assumed, uh, like you just said, there was a lot of tension between love and punishment and, and you, God couldn't be loving and punish someone at the same time. So it just felt like this really messy thing. Yep. I was like, I don't even want to get into that. I don't want to try and understand that. Um, but when I started understanding God's love more and it really did start changing a lot for me and the way that I viewed things, um, I feel like the Lord kind of just nudged me into that study of like, all right, it's time. Mm. Like it's time to reconcile all of those assumptions that you had made, um, with this big thing that you assume I can't do if I'm loving, like you're, I'm teaching you how loving I am. We're going to learn about punishment and, and judgment. Um, and so going into the study, kind of like what Zach was just saying, that that scale where it's all restorative mm -hmm. uh, or most of it, most almost of it. all of it yeah. um, is this loving, restorative action so that you're coming back to him. And that is loving. Um, and so there wasn't that tension anymore with that. And it just kind of painted this different, hugely different picture. Yep than I had before of, of judgment and punishment. Yeah. Cause one of the examples I give, like, let's say, um, like ghost or dog you have is getting ready to run out into a crowded street. Yeah. And of course dogs, you know, squirrel, right? right. Um, and so I have to like yell in a deep booming voice, maybe slap my hands really yeah. loud. That's going to scare her. Mm -hmm. So, but in a form, so, so that, cause that's an affliction. Yeah. Going back to what the definition of some kind of affliction is just any, um, loss, difficulty or damage. Yep. And, uh, and so I afflicted her just with that short yell and clap, but I did so to get her attention and get her back to me. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of what that 91 to 99 type yeah. punishment is. And I'm like, oh, wow, that makes, that makes so much sense. And it's sense. fueled by your love for her. You care right. for her. You don't want her to get hurt. So you're doing what you need to do to get her attention to, to keep her safe. Yeah. And that was, that was huge for me to realize that that is, you know, how God... 
and punishes. It, it also made sense as far as the retribution goes in Gehenna. When you actually look at all the chances that he gives each of us to come around, and he, and, he, and he he delays that retributive punishment, you know. Um, so of course, for believers, you won't won't get that. Yeah. <laughs> Yet another reason, right? Yeah. Um, to to follow Jesus. So, anyways, yeah. So that was the. Um, oh, and I, I like what you said about the reconcile re- reconciling. So. In, in American Christianity, there's a lot of these concepts that it's hard to reconcile. Yeah. What we have found is it's hard to reconcile them based on the definitions that we have for them. Mm-hmm. But then when you actually get back to Scripture and you actually get to the accurate, more complex, deep definition of each of the concepts, you actually find that you don't need to reconcile them. Because there's no tension there. Because there's no tension yeah. there. So, for example, people say that, that God is both just and merciful. Well, we find now there's no tension between those two. Now, we'll explain more of this next week when we get the mercy mm-hmm. study. There is tension. There are certain things that need to be reconciled. But, for example, we don't need to reconcile justice and mercy. You actually have to reconcile justice and patience yeah. if you actually get the definitions. Um, and so, it, so and like with punishment, so um, a little bit, there could be some tension between punishment and grace. Mm-hmm. We're going to find that there's not really. Yeah. Um, and then next week we'll look at punishment and mercy, and it would seem that there's a tension, and we find that not really mm-hmm. when you actually get to the definitions. It's really it's really cool to kind of go through all that. Uh, awesome. So thanks for that that recap. Yeah. Uh, um, with it. all right. So with that, let's dive into grace. And so as always, the the first thing that we do is we look at the uh, well. First thing we do is, is we pick the family of words that we're going to look up when we do that study. Um, so we use the, the New American Standard Bible. And we say, all right, so we need to look up grace, but we need to look up more than just grace. Uh, so what should we look up? Now, a lot of times, some of these studies, there end up being a ton, like 20, 30 or more family of, uh, of words in that family that you're going to look up. We actually found that with grace, it was fairly simplified, and there was only a handful of words that we looked up. So we looked up uh, favor and favorable and grace and graceful and gracious and gift and kind and kindness. So kind and kindness, there's an overlap with grace, also an overlap with love. Uh, but anyways, those those are really just the main core words that that, that we looked at for the study. Uh, total, there's 525 mentions um, of, of those words in the Bible, 311 in the Old Testament and 214 in the New. 525 is actually fairly low. Uh, a lot of times the words are 1,000 or 1,200. Some of them have gone over 3,000, right? Yeah. So 525 is not much. One thing that, that I'll say that's helpful for this is, is grace is an umbrella concept. So as we, as we unpack all this for you, grace is kind of this broader term that we're, that we're going to break down for you. And then there's many different like types of grace, many different ways that grace can play out, many different avenues, et cetera, uh, applications. And so because it's more of the umbrella word, it makes sense that it has you know, kind of the, the, smaller, the smaller number there. Mm-hmm. So that was the family of words that we looked up. So then the next step is we actually look up the Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek words that are translated grace and, and favor, uh, et cetera. Um, and actually, that's one thing I'll say too right now. We've, we found pretty quickly on that grace and favor are pretty much interchangeably interchangeable. Hmm. So when you say that you want to show grace to somebody, what you're saying is you want to show favor to them. Now we're going to break down further what that means, but we'll, we'll be for the rest of the study, we'll be using grace and favor interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in the study, we found like, like a certain Hebrew word that in some passages was translated grace, other passages were translated favor. And now, by the way, Hebrew words can actually have different meanings. We found that based on context, it was still the same rendering. 
right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, so so one of the Hebrew words uh, is, oh, actually two words kind of paired up, ratza and ratzen. One's like the adjective, one's the noun. But they mean goodwill, favor, acceptance, delight, pleased, to desire, or will. We also looked up Shannon and its family of words, which is Shen and Shannon, which is uh, to show favor, be gracious. Um, pity is also included in there, and that's favor and precious, acceptable, grace, graciousness, kindness, or even charm, or uh, being gracious. Uh, our last Hebrew word was Kesed. Uh, that shows up 245 times. Um, that means goodness, kindness, or loving kindness. So that, that I think that's the smallest list that we've had. Yeah, it's a pretty short list. Yeah. And then with the Greek, you had two main words in their family. So one word was the, the charis, um, and then it's it's kind of branching off from it, um, charizomai, charisma, uh, charituo. And these words mean goodwill, favor, grace, graciousness, kindness. They mean to show favor, to give something pleasant or benevolent. can mean to forgive, uh, a gift or favor, gratuity or endowment or favored. And we also looked up the family of words that's uh, Christos and also um, Christosos and Christomai, uh, which is usefulness, excellence, goodness, or uprightness. It also uh, means in one of the other forms to be useful, kind, or good, which comes from the word for to furnish with what is necessary. I like that. And so uh, basically that idea of usefulness there, and also to show oneself useful and to be kind. And one note on that one, so Christuomai, see how it's only, it's only used once, uh, that Greek word? It's in 1 Corinthians 13 when it says love is kind. And you can see that it means to show oneself useful, to furnish what is needed. Um, so love is to, to be useful, not just polite when it says love, love is kind, which is kind of cool, which we covered in the love study. But uh, anyways, so, th- so those were the, sh- the short list of the Hebrew and the, and the Greek words. So then we look up each of those keywords that were coming up in the definitions there. We look up, we use uh, Merriam-Webster and or Farlex dictionaries, and we look those up. So we looked up grace, and the definition of grace actually had like three kind of different components. One is approval or favor, a disposition to be generous or helpful, goodwill, an act of kindness. The second idea is unmerited divine assistance, special favor or privilege, a right or immunity granted as a benefit. And then it can also, this is more of an archaic definition, a reprieve, potentially even like mercy or pardon. So one little note on that. We Christians, English-speaking tend to use grace and mercy kind of, well, usually we give different definitions, and we'll go over that later, mm-hmm. but then we also use them interchangeably. And the way that I would explain this is kind of that fingers and thumb that all, what is it, all thumbs are fingers, but yeah. not all fingers are thumbs. So mercy is a type of grace, but they're not equivalent synonyms. And so, and we'll get more into that, that kind of later. Um, so that idea of mercy and pardon is actually a more archaic term that we still use. Mm-hmm. And then there is also favor that we looked up, which can mean to approve of or support, can be friendly regard shown to another, especially by a superior, uh, to treat with kindness, an act of friendliness, freely granted. It also can mean an advantage or benefit or to show partiality towards. So we also looked up uh, goodwill. 
Uh, so that's a kindly feeling of approval, support, or benevolence. And by that, we mean doing something good or useful, like you were talking about, Shannon, not just being polite, but actually yeah. contributing to someone's uh, good. And then approval means to have a favorable opinion of or to be pleased with. Acceptance means to receive willingly, to give admittance to or approval of. And then kindness, having or showing a friendly, warm-hearted, sympathetic, helpful, or generous nature. And then gift, something bestowed voluntarily and without compensation. So, so we looked each of those words up, and then it, it brought up, as we're talking about that, especially with the favor, um, I started thinking about what's the difference between favor and favoritism. Because what we were learning was, based on all these words, God shows favor all the time. Yeah. But then we have these verses that say God does not show favoritism. So I wanted to see what's the difference or the relationship between those two. So Romans 2.11, Ephesians 6.9, Colossians 3.25, and James 2.1 all kind of reference this, that there is no favoritism with God. Mm-hmm. So that there's a Greek word used in each of those, which is, oh, wow, uh, pros, prosopolimpsia. There we go. Um, and that means a respecter of persons or to show partiality or discrimination. So what we were realizing was that God shows favor without showing favoritism. He offers goodwill without partiality or discrimination. Um, and so then we end up looking up each of those words. So why don't we go ahead and kind of rotate through this. So the first one, we looked up partiality or favoritism or discrimination. And it's the idea that you're inclined to unfairly favor one over another due to some prejudice or bias. Which begs the question, what does unfair mean? And that means not in accordance with what is right or not in accordance with relative merit or significance. And we also looked into uh, prejudice and bias. So that means to judge or form an adverse opinion or have hostility toward uh, without sufficient knowledge or just grounds to do so. So because God doesn't show favoritism, he doesn't show that discrimination or partiality or, or un- unfair prejudice or bias. So he can show favor, which we're going to get into shortly, what that is, without showing, without the unfair uh, discrimination. Um, all right. So then, with that, uh, so so as we were as we were discussing all this in the in the unpacking a year ago, um, we started coming to, to to grips with this potential initial understanding of, of the concept of grace, and it's this idea of showing favor toward a person. And we kind of broke down, like, what would that actually include? What, 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 what were we seeing from the, the definitions and the wording and such? And so this picture emerged that if, if somebody is showing grace to somebody else, it's because that first person delights in the second person. They just enjoy them. And so they willingly, freely, openly uh, accept them and receive them. Uh, and then in sincere goodwill, which means wanting them to experience beneficial things, offering them generous, useful gifts. Um, there's a similarity there with, with the idea of hospitality, which is a generous and cordial, cordial meaning heart, uh, hearty, uh, friendly, warm, approving. It, but it's this generous and cordial reception of guests, which can be associated with Philadelphia and philanthropia, Greek word, Greek concepts. So there was an interplay there. But the point of it was... If if person A is showing favor to person B, what's happening here? Person A delights in person B and just loves them and enjoys them. 
And so because that, they welcome and accept and invite person B into their home or into their life and then just offer them gifts because they want to. It was a really cool picture. And, um, and so Connor, um, who's been, has been on the recordings before, he was in that study too. And he said, you know, that's refreshing because sometimes, uh, you know, he was familiar with, I think most of us have been, where grace, it, you know, it's that whole, listen, you don't deserve it. Right? God, God's, God's, God's going to show you the grace, but you don't deserve it. But he's going to show you grace because he's loving. And it's sometimes kind of this harsh thing. And so Connor thought it was really refreshing that we were getting back to emphasizing that where is the grace or the favor coming from? Person A's delight in person B. It was just cool. So then uh, Rachel, who's been in a bunch of the unpackings, and usually doesn't say much, and when she does, it's just this wallop of wisdom, um, brought up a great point that once she said it, I couldn't unsee it, I couldn't unhear it, I couldn't unthink it. And the emphasis there is on the fact that it's done out of delight, just out of generosity, because you care about that person. And we know that by definition, a gift, it's not a payment, it's not a reward for one's behavior. You're just giving the gift out of kindness and care. So the, the, the emphasis, though, isn't on the gift being undeserved or unmerited or whatever. It's on, it's on the delight. So, so Rachel brought up a point. And she said, imagine if uh, somebody went to somebody else and said, hey, I, I have a gift for you. Um, but before I give it to you, let me, let me clarify and qualify some things. You don't deserve this gift. Okay? You've done nothing to earn this gift. In fact, you've you've all you've done what what you've earned is just bad. But because I'm so loving, because I'm so good, I just out of my goodness want to give you this gift that you have not earned and that you do not deserve. Do you understand? Do you understand this? I just want to make sure you understand this before I give you this gift. So, Rachel brought the point how would you respond if somebody said that to you? So we heard all kinds of answers like, uh, keep the gift. No, thanks. You know, screw you. Right. Whatever. You would never, ever give a gift with those qualifications. Yes. Technically that's kind of the definition of gift, but you wouldn't emphasize that you would never, never emphasize that. So Rachel's question to the group was, why do we Christians keep emphasizing that point with God's grace? And I was just like, uh, oh, wow, you know? And, and I'm, I'm totally convinced of that now, that I feel like God is saying, guys, will you stop emphasizing the unmerited point of grace? That's yeah. not the point to emphasize. I love you, I care about you, and I just want to give you beneficial gifts. Yes, it's a gift. I'm just giving it to you, not because of anything you've done. I'm just giving it to you. Mm-hmm. But, but, but be focused on the fact that I'm giving it to you because I, I love you, right? And it was such a cool thing. Yeah, and that difference in emphasis, what it really does is it takes uh, the focus off of us and puts it back on God because we aren't worthy of his we haven't done things to earn them um and by the way are we not worthy or do we have worth right we have worth mm-hmm. yeah we do have worth. We always want to emphasize that yeah. we have worth yeah right um but when we emphasize the fact that this is done and it's not you it's not about you mm-hmm. you're you're bad you ju- you just do bad but this is going to be good 
what we're doing is we're focusing on ourselves instead of God. Mm, and so point. what this actually does is it allows us to rightfully focus on God's in heaven. And he's saying, no, you know what? I want beneficial things for you. I really like you. I'm going to give this to you. And that's his focus. We tend to say, well, we don't deserve it. And while that may be true, that's not the focus God has. And so we should stop focusing on ourselves and just focus on God and accept it. So much of our, well, I think when I say our society, even though just humanity, is based on a tit for tat. Um, Mm -hmm. You give me and I give in return. And so when we receive, now as a kid, when you receive a gift, they're my childlike faith. Okay, great. Yeah. Don't question this, you know. Um, nowadays, as an adult, I had, so uh, a month or two ago, my buddy Irfan, uh, we were going to start doing some video live streaming on Facebook kind of thing with some of this stuff. And so um, I, I was just using my laptop's mic, and it wasn't it wasn't a good quality. Well, I get this package. He sends me a little note saying, hey, I sent you something. And I get this package, and it's this really expensive, really high-quality microphone. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I know he gave it to me as a gift, mm-hmm. um, so, that, so that I because it was the same mic that he used and he really liked it. So he just gave it to me as a gift. So immediately I start thinking, okay, what 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 do I need to do in return mm-hmm. to make this equal? That's not the, that's not the point. The point is he just wanted to give me a gift, you know. Um, and so so it is hard for us to think that way. Um, but, but we want, we want to get back to, you know, and think about too, if somebody does something, especially if they buy a little gift, they know that you really want like, I'm not a card guy, so when I get cards, I'm like, okay, thanks. Like, my mom got really mad when she don't, I don't save the cards, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, she throw them away. Um, but when, when somebody gives you a gift, and, and mom, my mom and dad both give me great gifts that just I loved, uh, uh, Millennium Falcon and mm-hmm. the uh, Playmobil pirate ship and all that. But anyways, <laughs> when, you, when you get a gift from somebody and they've thought, they've thought it through and it means something special to you, that's awesome. And that's how we should feel about grace, that God knows us, he knows us well, and he's just giving us this gift. He's showing us some favor, um, some favor that's applicable and specific to us, and we should be moved by that. It was cool. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Tori, you want to add anything to that? Um, yeah, I would. Um, I want to share like a really quick story, kind of what you just said. Um, so a couple years ago, I went to Nepal. Uh, we were backpacking through Nepal, and I'd been over to that area uh, a couple other times before and we were driving um, past this market and we look over and there's all this like produce. And so we stop and the pastors that we're working with buy us like apples and oranges. We're super excited about them because like, I mean, the produce over there is just great because it's so fresh and there's no like horrible pesticides pesticides all over it. Um, So it's great. And I see carrots and I love carrots. It's one of my favorite things to eat. I'm just like raw carrots. And so I see them and I've, I've been past markets in India and Nepal m- multiple times and I've never seen carrots. And so I pray like, it'd be really cool if we could have some carrots. I don't want to ask for them because they're already like being so generous and getting us apples and oranges. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, but it'd be really cool if we could have some carrots. And so I just prayed like, you know, God, if you can work it out, it'd be really cool if we could have some carrots. And that night for dinner, there was like a whole plate of raw carrots at our house. I'd mm. never had carrots in India before. Uh, and there they were. And, um, that every meal, literally every meal for the rest of the trip, we had raw carrots. But uh, you hadn't then, said anything. No, I hadn't said anything to anyone. And I felt like it was just this thing between me and God. And, <laughs> and like you said, this gift that, that means a lot. Mm-hmm. It was this special moment where I'm like, he heard me. And he's like giving me this. 
and he's like giving me way more than I asked for. I just wanted yep. them once and he's given it every meal. And when I got home, I started getting emails from Kroger and they would give me free a, a pound of raw carrots like every four to six weeks. Right. More than coincidence. Right? Yeah. And, and I mean, it's been five years now. I'm still getting free carrots. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and it's just this thing that I have with God and it's this moment. Uh, and it usually I get the email on like a really stressful day and it's just that nudge of like, hey, I'm still here and yep. I see you. And you remember this like intimate moment we had, like I'm still um, giving you this really good thing uh, and doing this study. Like I didn't have a problem seeing that as grace. Um, but like you said, we put such emphasis on the undeserved part. Right. Um, and the way Rachel put it, like you don't it's really uncomfortable to accept that gift when someone's like, Hey, you are, you have done nothing. You can do nothing to deserve this. I'm just so great. Right. So here you go. And you're like, Oh, thank you. Like yeah. I feel really uncomfortable. Um, but I feel like God was telling me every good gift I give you is the same that, you know, I feel about you when I give you carrots mm-hmm. like that, that how, you know, I feel when I do this, that's everything. All of it is the same thing. And all of it is just because, I'm ridiculously crazy about you and I want to show you how much I care about you. Right. So I'm giving you all these good things and it's not like, of course you don't, I didn't deserve carrots. Like I didn't do anything to deserve that um, or that gift. Um, But that's not the point. So, so you know, with the carrots, like God gives you these carrots or, or they're little winks from God or nudges or God moments. My buddy Mark talks about, um, there is a connection between grace and sin. So like in Romans 5 through 8, talks about that. You know, so sh- should we sin more so that grace may abound? No, of course mm-hmm. not, et cetera. There's a connection. But I think sometimes we think that's the only time to use grace is yeah. in connection as a response to sin. Mm-hmm. So you sin, and then God will show you grace. That's true. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to that. Yeah. And so there's times, like for example, um, because well, in those those situations, we're thinking of the grace as more of like a mercy, mm-hmm. right? But imagine if 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 you had any, almost like subconsciously in your head that grace is always God's response to sin. That that's what grace is for. It's a response to sin. Then you get carrots or a wink or a nudge or whatever. You start saying, "Oh, what sin did I just do?" Yeah. And why is, this is confusing, right? Has nothing at that point. Those carrots had nothing to do with sin. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. He just want to give you a gift. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that so that was you know the the kind of the first thing for me in the study was that grace and favor are interchangeable. The second big thing was realizing this whole piece that we've just been talking about. I yeah. just really was moved by that, mm-hmm. um, and that lines up completely with the concept of love. Absolutely. So if you go back to the love study, you know the heart, soul, mind, and strength is to delight in somebody, to be committed to them, um, to to get to understand them and desire good for them, and, and then to contribute to their well being. Well, one way that you can contribute to their well being is to meet a need. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way that you can contribute to their uh, well-being is to show them grace as far as even above and beyond the need. So I've used this analogy before, kind of like the going back to mercy and grace. Mercy is releasing you from debtor's prison back to the street so you can kind of walk along the street there. Grace is then inviting you into some big festival. Mm. So like grace and favor and blessings – Mm-hmm. should all kind of and gifts all these concepts should go together and i love that these are little just winks or little carrots from god yeah right it's great uh it's, it's just really really cool so i think it's important yeah. too to understand love because that is what is fueling the giving of gifts in grace um and that i think is really important for us to to understand it's coming from this super deep well of 
love that's ridiculously good. Yeah. And that's why he's even showing us grace in the first place is because of that love. So we don't understand love. We're not going to fully understand grace. It's true. That's true. It's coming because of the love. And so this goes back. I think I meant to say it and I didn't. Um, a lot of these unpackings have challenged kind of our traditional beliefs. Uh, we've always just assumed it was this definition or this meaning or this application. And then as we go through the unpackings, it starts opening our mind up to other possibilities. And so this was one of the, the big example of that, um, that taking more of that kind of joyful connotation uh, with, with grace, not just the undeserved, you know, undeserved part. Um, and, and like I mentioned before, Grace, you know, we, we talk, I said we, we you, people use grace and mercy kind of interchangeably sometimes, or like grace and patience. If you say, "Hey, you should show that person grace," because think about that. Show, you, yeah, you, should, you know, let's say somebody's screwing up, and so you tell your friend, "Ah, you probably need to show them some grace." What they really mean when they say that is patience and and mercy, which is yes, is needed and true, but also on top of that, on top of just the patience and mercy, throw them a carrot, wink at them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another whole level. That's what God does. So yes, grace can be patience and mercy, but it can be so much more than that. Um, that would go back to it's not just c- connected with um, uh, with sin. Also, too, people use grace uh, with prayer as far as like, hey, let's say grace before we eat. So even like after this, it's been a year now, but since that study, I found myself trying not to say grace to mean prayer. Technically, are we giving a little gift to God by throwing up this prayer of appreciation before a meal? Yes. So technically, prayer is a type of grace that we're offering God. We're showing him some favor by saying thank you for the meal or whatever. So that works. But again, it's not a one-to-one. And so I've, I've tried to catch myself from using that because what happens is in the Christian, again, in English-speaking Christianese, grace is used a whole bunch of different ways and so it just confuses people and if you ask him what is grace well we mentioned this beforehand what, what's the typical answer you get if you ask somebody what is grace getting something you don't deserve right that's i mean yeah it's like you can you could probably if you're a gambler you could bet money on that <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. you know because we're right near liberty you go to liberty's campus and you could go around with the microphone and say all right what is grace and i bet you you know 75 80 percent or more would give almost that word for word definition yeah because i feel like a lot of times with grace and mercy it's and i always flip around the two because i just do um but grace is getting something you don't deserve and then mercy is not getting something you do deserve right so you had asked us beforehand when we were prepping for this, because you, you, Tori and I mm-hmm. did a study, like, so is that not true? And Tori, what did you say? Technically, it is true, but it is far from a full definition of mercy and grace. Right. I it think is a shell. I think we use it because it's a really easy way to sum up, like, mercy and grace. And like you said, like, these are not simple con- concepts. It is way more complex than we yeah. like to admit sometimes. So we say, you know, yeah, grace is getting something you don't deserve and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. That's part of the definition. Yeah. But there is a whole nother side to each of those concepts that is not fully explained in that short definition. Yeah. Because I think what those definitions lack is texture. There you go. Like they are, they do contain kind of a general overview of what the two concepts are, but there's just a lot of depth missing. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. There's more depth, more color, more substance, more texture, more to it than just those definitions. Um, all right, so that was all kind of just initially that we we were discussing in the study uh, from the just from the wording, right? We hadn't gotten to the verses yet. 
So then we went through the 525 verses and we, we, we split them all up and we all read them and, and contextually. And then we came back and, uh, and, and, and shared with each other what we had found. So we're going to share some of that. So one, one thing we found um, regarding God is with this idea of favor. Well, so one of the things was when we came across these grace and favor passages, there were a handful of times where it was linked somehow to his anger as far as like what's the kind of the connection between the two or the relationship between the two. So like Psalm uh, 8615 says that God is abundant in love and truth and slow to anger. And then some of the other Psalms, this includes, uh, I don't know if it's 30 or, is it 35? Yeah, Psalm 30 verse 5, Psalm 102, Psalm 59. Um, God's anger, oh, this is a great one. This is in the Psalm 30. God's anger is but for a moment, his favor for a lifetime. Hmm. So that's that's one of the things there. That, that so we haven't, we haven't done the ang- we've done the anger study. We haven't done the recording yet. the The way I see anger now is it's these dots on the timeline, hmm. um, or these spikes, right? So it's these moments of anger, but interspersed between these moments of anger are long periods of this patience and grace, etc. And so I really like that that His grace, Him showing you those little winks, those little carrots, those little favors, those little gifts. That's all the time. Hmm. And the anger is just but for a moment, occasionally, when needed. Mm-hmm. And it really begins to change the tone. It's the whole, you know, God was angry in the Old Testament, loving in the New. That's not accurate, right? I'm kind of getting back to it all. Uh, but anyways, he longs to be gracious at the sound of our cry. We saw in Psalm 102 that there are appointed times to his grace. So we started seeing a little bit of there's some clarification, maybe some qualification or even condition or timing that comes with grace that there's there's certain times he's going to show this grace or or whatever um then also now there's in in uh, 59 psalm 59 that it's i think it's an imprecatory psalms which we don't we won't get into all that but an imprecatory psalm is when the writer is like telling god to kill the kill his enemies um and there's different debates on we can still do that now versus no we can't do that now that was progressive revelation etc mm-hmm. we won't get into all that but there was a verse about not being gracious to those who are treacherous um and so them asking god to put a little bit of conditionality um where instead of that unmerited grace well if they're being treacherous then don't show them grace right there, there was a verse there um so th- those are just some notes about kind of god in general um, then we then we came across a whole list of some of these different types or examples of the Lord's grace, uh, different ways that He shows favor, and this was both to the righteous and the, and the wicked, mm-hmm. you know, the unrighteous. Um, so one example is uh, compassion. So one one of the ways that God shows grace is He offers compassion. He hears prayers and He relieves distress. Um, this is Psalm four. Um, other specific examples in Psalm 6, he heals the weak and trembling bones. In Psalm 8, he inclines his ear and makes glad the souls of the afflicted and the needy. Psalm 25, he brings us out of distress, loneliness, and affliction. In Psalm 9, he raises, raises us up from affliction and the gates of death. We also saw, as another just type and example of the Lord's grace, him guarding uh, our souls and delivering... Uh, me for my enemies. This is David talking in Psalms in that Psalm 25. Uh, it talks about giving us courage, Psalm 56, taking refuge in Christ as destruction passes by, Psalm 57, driving enemies out before the Israelites, Psalm 44. And in Psalm 86, we see um, showing signals of good to make haters pale. 
We also saw a lot of examples of um, him showing us favor through just like helping us and meeting our needs. Um, so Psalm 30, we saw he makes our mountains strong and turns our mourning into dancing. In Psalm 90, he establishes the works of our hands. Ecclesiastes 3, eating, drinking, and seeing the good of our labor is a gift from God. Psalm 51, uh, building the walls of Jerusalem was helping them. Psalm 127, bringing about children. 2 Corinthians 12, offering perfecting power uh, to meet our needs. Another way that God shows grace is through forgiving us our sins that we see in Psalm 25 and making us right with him in Romans 5. Um, we saw in Psalm 4, he heals and raises up our souls, for we have sinned against him. In Romans 6, he's blotted out our transgressions. Um, and we should not take this for granted or, or abuse it. Side note with that. Uh, and then Psalm 56, he's delivered our soul from death. He's delivered my feet from stumbling that I may walk in the light of the living. Another way that we can see the Lord's grace is through him giving us the Holy Spirit. And so that, in turn, gives us a number of different gifts, such as understanding that Jesus is Lord, helps strengthening us, uh, giving us those different spiritual gifts, even tangible gifts, all of these different things that come from us having the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So the Holy Spirit is a gift, Mm -hmm. and then the Holy Spirit gives all these different kinds of gifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then lastly, we saw God showing favor to the land itself in Psalm 85. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was, that was cool. Um, now, so what's interesting here is what we're, what we're now learning from that passage or that section was all the, not all, some of the different winks that he can do. Some of the different carrots or oranges or apples or whatever. Um, and that's kind of cool. And so one thing to keep in mind is there you wouldn't read these universally like um he he does this he does all of these for everybody right it was very much in the moment very much what that what depending on what that person was depending on who that person was what the relationship with god was mm-hmm. or the timing of it all or whatever there were a number of different factors going on but it's like god has almost like, like imagine he has like a storeroom and he's just got shelves and shelves and shelves of all these different little gifts winks etc and so all, he's like, oh, you know what? I, w- I want to show some favor to Shannon today. And so he walks into that little room there and he's like, which favor do I want to give him, right? And because, because he's all-knowing, omniscient, right, and omnipresent and all these things, he knows exactly what's needed in the, in the moment. Um, but it was cool just getting to see a sample mm-hmm. of some of these really specific gifts that he'll offer just as a, as a wink to us, yeah. right, which is cool. Um, all right, so I'm going to go back, back to my notes. So that was uh, some of the types and, and examples. All right, so now, are you guys ready as a listener? <laughs> if you're not seated, maybe you want to sit down for this. Um, so we've talked a lot about how when you're going through an unpacking study, sometimes it starts to challenge you on the way you think uh, and challenge the definition or the wording you've always used, et cetera. So up to this point in the study that we did a year ago, it had never crossed anyone's mind that the gift is not unmerited, right? By definition, a gift is unmerited. Um, it's just God giving it to you because he delights in you. So there's no, there's no merited element to grace. Well, we were wrong. Um, so as we were going through the verses, uh, somebody had come across this one verse. Yeah, one, of, one of the verses I read talks about if you do this, then God will show you grace or favor. But isn't that a conditionality? Like, wouldn't that be merited? And we're like, well, no, because we know it's not <laughs> merited. So that's, that's a weird verse. We'll, we'll kind of just skip it, right? And then we saw a second one, and then a third one, and then a fourth one. We found well over 20 different verses 
that pretty much flat out state, God will show you favor or grace if you do this. Well, it got to a point that we just started laughing because we've learned in the unpacking studies, you need to let the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint. Yeah. And so there are enough verses that showed us it's not all or nothing. There's definitely the unmerited, God-loving, gracious gift that he's just giving you a little twinkle in his eyes. He winks at you. There's absolutely that. And that's probably 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like that's the majority. That's, that's the weight. That's the emphasis. But what we found was there are... Uh, exceptions to that, or there is a different type of grace. There's a conditional grace that it'll only happen if this happens. And so you can go, there's conditional and merited, two different words, but there's an overlap there. Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about is it turns out, we, I think all of us in the group concluded that there absolutely is the, you know, the unconditional, unmerited, loving, twinkle in the eye, wink of a gift that God gives us. Then there's these also conditional um, merited grace and favor that if you do X or if you do Y, then he shows you favor. And what's interesting is it's not all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some types of favor that he just gives as that wink, some types of favor that he gives as a reward. Yeah. So what we ended up drawing, we, and we always have our whiteboards out. We, we ended up drawing like these two arcs. And so the upper, higher, bigger arc was the starting point and the finishing point. The starting point was God's just delight and desire or love of us and delight in us. And so because of that, he just offers us to the other point, these beneficial gifts. Then we realized a smaller little arc that kind of fit under that, that was so, and we've talked before about the difference between God delighting in us and God being pleased with us, mm-hmm. that God's delight in us is based on the fact that he made us, right? Because we exist, he delights in us. Doesn't matter what you do or don't do, good or bad, he delights in you. But he's not always pleased with you, that he's pleased when you're obedient, mm-hmm. right? When, when you align with his good parameters and that kind of thing. So what we realized was that there's times when God just delights in you, and so he offers you a gift. There's other times that he's pleased with your behavior and then offers you a reward. And what we found was the Bible um, said both of these exist as types of grace. Yeah. So as we went through it, we, we, it took us a little while wrestling. <laughs> And one of the guys in the group, he, he, he made a, a, a good point. He said, all right, so I, I don't question both those arcs exist, the bigger arc and the smaller arc. Don't question them. I'm not comfortable with using grace for both arcs. I think I'd rather just still continue to use grace for the big arc and then just use like reward for obedience as the smaller arc. And I said, I hear you. I get it. But here's the thing. The Bible uses the word grace for both arcs. So they, they hold to both definitions there. So if you only hold to the top one and you're reading a passage that mentions grace but it's referring to the bottom one, yeah. then you actually read it wrongly. Mm-hmm. And so if we want to um, apply the details, lots of details of our lives, let the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint, then we actually need to go ahead and use grace for both arcs. And he, and he, and he agreed with that You know, yeah. once, once we realized that. So that was a big, big thing. Usually. That there actually is merited grace. Yeah. Especially when most of us came into this with the understanding that grace is just something you don't deserve. Right. So merited grace, you, you, you do deserve it. You yeah. do deserve it. It kind of throws a wrench in that. And that's what we were saying. You know, it's, it, it's true for part of grace. It's not the full definition. Um, right. Because right. we do have this side where you can earn it. You can grow in favor. You can grow in grace by being obedient. 
You yep. get those rewards. So uh, if you're listening and you're like, no, it is unmerited. <laughs> we understand where you're coming from because we all thought the same thing. Um, but we, So we're going to read you some of these verses now. And it's worth saying that we're not saying that all grace is, I, I just want to reemphasize this. Yeah. It's not that all grace is merited because there is that 80% that is that unmerited favor that we all have kind of grown up with and we're familiar with. We're just adding a component that scripture, we're going to go through some different examples of there really does seem to be this component of, yes, there is this unmerited favor, but there is also merited grace. Mm -hmm. And so just painting that, um, just adding that little nuance there. And it's not 50-50, like you said, 80-20, right? They're not equal. There's definitely an emphasis on the unmerited, but we came across these verses. And by the way, some implication of this, you know, we talked about like, if imagine God said to you, hey, I'm going to show you some grace. If you hold the old way of thinking, oh, what sin did I just do? That you not to show me this patience. And sometimes that may occur. Mm-hmm. You just sinned. I'm going to show you grace, right? By, by forgiving you. Um, other times, like, no, no, no sin involved. I just want to give you some carrots. Other times, he said, hey, I'm going to show you grace because you did this. And you need to let kind of God determine, right, which, mm-hmm. which one he's going to do. Um, so some examples of those. We saw, um, we, we kind of put these in, in a, like sections with subpoints. Um, God favors those who fear him. This was from, from Psalm 147. So some specific examples. Um, God blesses the righteous by offering goodwill, goodwill as a shield in Psalm 5. Who's he blessing? The righteous, those that have come to place their faith in him. Right? There's a condition there. God listens to those who seek his face, and he does not abandon them. So he won't abandon you if you're seeking his face, Psalm uh, 27. No good does he withhold from those who walk uprightly, Psalm 84. Uh, he strengthens his servants, Psalm 86. All kinds of food for the redeemed that fools loathe, uh, Psalm 107. He has his wondrous works to be remembered among the assembly of the upright. I did put the verse for that one. Um, God redeems and places those who are complete on the level place of the habitation of his house. Uh, that's well, That would be a paraphrase, by the way. I'm like, what did I mean by that? This is Psalm 26. Um, but again, there was a conditionality there. Uh, and then Psalm 106. For those who practice justice and righteousness will celebrate the glee of God's nation and glory in his inheritance. Um, and so, and how are we coming across these verses? They're coming from all those Hebrew words, you know, that, that, that we were looking up. So that, that's, that's one set of examples. Another set of examples that doesn't have quite as many components to it is God shows kindness to those that are kind. So we see that in Psalm 18 and then kind of coupled with that, he scoffs at the scoffers. And that is in Proverbs 3, we see that. And so kind of that, uh, both sides of that coin, showing kindness to the kind and also scoffing at the scoffers. We also saw a a lot of examples of God offering grace or favor to those who are doing good. Um, So in uh, Proverbs 3, be loving and truthful and you will find favor in the sight of God and man. So if you do this, then you will get favor. Uh, Proverbs 8 and Proverbs 13, heeding wisdom and good understanding brings about grace and favor from the Lord. Proverbs 11, diligently seek good and you will find favor. Proverbs 14, be gracious to the poor and needy, and you will honor your maker and be happy. Uh, Proverbs 19, one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Mm. 
Proverbs 18, he who finds a wife obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 28, rebuking rather than flattering with the tongue will find favor afterward. Uh, we also see this when we act in humility. So if we kneel before God in adoration, submission, and security, if we're enduring unjust suffering, uh, we're waiting on God and crying out for him, and we're obeying his commandments and showing discernment, we get favor for, for those things. Yeah. It's interesting. So um, several ways you can say this. One is, so some of the grace you receive is in resp- God's response to your sin. He's showing you grace to ha- help you handle your sin. Mm-hmm. Some of the other grace that you receive is because of your obedience and doing good. Most of the grace you receive is simply because he loves you, just a wink and a gift. Yeah. And so it's really cool kind of un- unpacking all that. It was also interesting to realize that, so if you're obedient, he'll show you um, grace in this like favor and reward. Um, and if you're disobedient, he still shows you grace, just a different type of grace, yeah. become more the, the, the mercy and the patience and the forgiveness and all that. Um, so it's just interesting, right? It just, it just, it's taking it back to that full color, more mm-hmm. vibrant texture, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so those were, were, were some of the examples of the, uh, the merited grace. Now, once we heard, oh, and actually one more example I'm going to do, uh, Psalm 112. Um, I'm not going to read the whole Psalm, but it talks about the man who fears the Lord. So for those who fear the Lord, if you fear the Lord, um, and, and it explains what that means. They delight in God's commands. They trust in him. They're being gracious and compassionate. They do what is right, good, and beneficial. They lend without interest. Um, they freely give to the poor. They keep God's word as a judge or leader making decisions. And then in return, um, that person will be blessed. Light arises in the darkness with a steadfast heart. He will not be shaking nor fear evil tidings. Uh, wealth and riches are in his house. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. His horn will be exalted in honor. His righteousness will endure forever. And the wicked will be vexed in response to all that. So just another great psalm just explaining kind of that, that conditionality. Um, I don't know if you guys had anything else that you wanted to say in response to that. We just hope that you realize it's not a 50-50, but there absolutely is merited grace. And, and we need to let that be part of God's puzzle and part of his formula, right? Because the text shows it. Uh, okay, so then so then we'll, we're kind of moving on to the next thing. That's a big issue, but, but we're hoping that that, that, that uh, resonates with you. Um, so one other thing that we'll discuss uh, with this is the the issue of of um, you are saved by grace through faith and not of works so that you cannot boast, um, which is Ephesians two eight. So I remember when we did the unpacking, we spent a bit of time discussing this, and even as we were prepping for this episode, we spent a, a bit of time uh, mm-hmm. discussing this, and we went back and forth on what we we're going to conclude because what happened was that 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 verse is loaded. Um, mm-hmm. and there's also Galatians two sixteen and first Thessalonians five, 12 to 13 and Titus three, five and James two twenty four that are all saying similar things, right? So we looked, we, we looked at all those verses and kind of combined all of them. Ephesians two, eight is the really good kind of umbrella verse over those. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it is by grace that you've been saved through faith and not of a result of works so that you cannot boast. We realize that the faith and the works part isn't. We're not, that's not the focus here in the grace study. So you can actually go back and listen to the faith episode where we do discuss this a, a, little, a little more. Um, and so we were trying to say, well, what, what point do we want to make um, with this? And 
what we decided to just stay with is, so you, you've been saved by grace through faith. So now that we've unpacked what this grace is, and knowing that the major point of grace is that that just he delights in you, and so he's just showing you favor, right? And just offering you a gift. Um, that's what's going on here. So we see with John 3.16, all these other passages. God loves humanity. Crazy about him. Mm-hmm. For as messed up as we are. Mm-hmm. He loves us. He delights in us, right? We're his creation. So he, he feels very passionately ab- about us. And so because of that delight, because of that love... He's offering us, it's all rooted in his generosity, he's offering to us eternal life to, to make it through the prologue into to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the questions that we discussed was, now that we see that there's this duality, uh, does that duality hold to this passage? Um, or not. And, and by the way, this is, I, for the most part, an unanswerable question. I think it's kind of above all our, our pay grade. So we realized we couldn't really conclude anything. So why spend a lot of time discussing on it? Mm-hmm. So all we'll just say briefly is, uh, this also depends on the theological camp. And by duality, you mean, is this the, merited and unmerited and that, right, that's it, the duality. You're right. That's, about. Yes. Yeah. So if you hold more to the reform thinking, um, where God chooses who the elect is, absolutely it's only the unmerited part, right? It's just him choosing, hey, you guys are the ones that are going to be elected and be saved. Mm-hmm. So as we discussed, if you're more of the, of the free will camp, you almost have to start to conclude maybe <laughs> that it is more both, that it all originates just in his love and delight and offering that gift, but maybe there's some conditionality as far as... Um, if if you place your faith in God, if you place your faith in Jesus, if you confess Him as Lord, Romans ten nine, um, then you'll be saved. You'll have that eternal life. So one might argue that it's both elements that there's some sort of conditionality. We don't really need to, to get into that, um, but we at least wanted to throw that out there. It was, it was something that we were thinking about, and so we decided to go ahead and just just mention that in the podcast. We we we're not saying what we believe. We, I don't even know if I know what I believe yet. You know, on that, I'm still kind of chewing on it. Um, but it was just an interesting thought um, down the road. If if we end up rolling out these fireside chats, we may we may end up bringing that back as a, as a topic. So we, we just wanted to touch on that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So then one, once we go, you know, so when we do the unpackings, there's always those four questions that we try to to answer at the end. So given everything we've just studied, what is the definition that we would give? And then what is all the details and nuances? And so we've discussed both those. The third question that we do is, so what are the benefits to this? Um, and so for some of it, like, like humility, humility requires uh, a bit of a sacrifice at times, but there were a ton of benefits that come from humility. And we'll, and we'll, we'll be recording that one later this season. Um, but anyway, so, so we always try to list the benefits. And the reason why we do this is a lot of times with Christianity, we do things out of obligation or we're told to do things out of obligation. And one of the patterns that I saw in scripture was God frequently mentions why he wants us to do something. He gives us motivation. He says, listen, if you do this, this kind of stuff is going to happen. Um, and so I realized, oh, so God's taking time to show us what the benefits are of it. He's explaining that to us to motivate us. So that's great. I'm, 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 I'd rather do that than out, out, just, out of just obligation. Mm-hmm. So, so when we do the unpackings, we always look at the blessings. So what are, what are, the, what are the benefits to grace? Well, it's its own benefit. So we didn't really even have a whole lot of benefits to offer because it is its benefit, right? All So kind of like by definition, it's a benefit. It's a mm-hmm. gift. Um, so, of course, it's beneficial. And so we should be motivated um, to, to receive God's grace, um, either through 
earning, working, et cetera, and getting some of that merited reward grace, uh, or even bigger, just to let him love you um, and, and give, give, give those gifts. And by the way, if you're somebody who's very uncomfortable when people give you gifts, you're going to be uncomfortable with this. Mm-hmm. So the, we, I, can't, I can't just tell you here in this podcast, change. But begin over time to change, and and because you, you have to, this gets into psychology and the synapses in the brain and all this stuff. You need to reprogram the way your mind thinks, mm-hmm. and you need to rethink all this, and you need to realize I don't have to earn every. And by the way, too, if you really think everything has to be earned, this whole merited grace probably just confuses you. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. great! So it is there. Yes, but it's it's a side thing, right? It, it's mm-hmm. it is there, but it's to the side. So for you that wrestle with this, don't. Don't um, don't focus on that. Yeah, yeah. Focus on the unmerited part, and just try to rethink that God. Just let God and others give you gifts because they care about you. That's that's a that's gonna be a process. Um, it is gonna be freeing. And by the way, too, because in heaven we have our complete bodies. Nobody will struggle this in heaven. So everyone's like, thank you very much, <laughs> right? And, and again, not without without I mean, obviously appreciation and gratitude, yeah. right? Um, but we will freely take the gifts that God offers us, you know, which which is which is amazing. Um, so looking back at my, at my notes real quick here, uh, yes. Oh, it's just three other little verses that kind of tie into this. That, that grace and favor is this incredible thing. It's a reward in and of itself. Proverbs uh, two twenty one. 22-1. I didn't put Collins in my notes, though. This is confusing. Um, a good name and favor among men is better than silver or gold. Romans 5.15. Uh, grace is more powerful than sin. Uh, uh, Proverbs 11.16. A gracious woman attains honor. So those are just a couple of little side verses that talk about how really good it is to have, to receive that, to, that, that grace. Um, so, and that's yeah, all in addition to the fact that grace isn't of itself a benefit, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, given all that, then that the um, going back to kind of that first question that we always ask, which is, what is the concluding definition? Um, and so, this is this is like the big takeaway uh, for you listeners as we're listening to this is is given everything that we studied and discussed and kind of chewed on and processed through, what is the definition of grace according to Scripture? And so, what we have is that two part definition because there's the two types. So, one type. So, so in general, grace is showing favor toward another. Um, breaking that down specifically, part of that comes from delighting in another. And so in sincere goodwill, freely offering them these generous, beneficial gifts. So another way to say that is you're fueled by your love for them, and so you single them out in delight, um, and thus these are simply unmerited, awesome gifts. And then the second component to that is it can also be as a result of being pleased with another person. And so in sincere goodwill, offering them generous, beneficial rewards. So this is uh, due to noticing their good actions. And so these are simply merited, awesome rewards for things that people are doing. And it's also possible to seek and increase one's favor in another's eyes through doing beneficial things. So think about that for a second. You can't increase your favor of the first type because that's just based on God's love for you, which is there. Mm -hmm. But you can increase your favor on the second type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. And then, Tori, what's another way we can say this? Yeah. So to kind of summarize, grace is showing favor to someone else out of delight or being pleased with them. So there's that two parts Mm -hmm. by offering generous, generous gifts 
or rewards. If it is being pleased with them, you're giving them rewards, meaning that there is both that unmerited and merited element to it. But again, we can't emphasize this enough. It's not 50-50. We really do see significantly more of the unmerited grace in scripture, but we do see a significant enough amount of the merited grace that we had to address. That it. we have to pay attention to it. Yeah. And it is part of the definition. Yeah. So so we wrap all this up with God employs this this dual type of grace, and so should we. So getting into, because in the fourth question of these unpacking studies is, what's the application? How is this affecting you in a, in a very real way? Um, so one thing is we should receive God's grace. And if we talk about the unmerited, we should just let ourselves receive his unmerited grace. He delights in us. He wants to wink at us. He wants to give us carrots. He wants to give us these little awesome gifts. Let him hmm. and just enjoy it, right? Be a kid. And just enjoy that kind of grace. He also wants to offer you um, the like that grace in response to your sin. So when you sin, let him offer that grace, just that patience, the forgiveness, the mercy. We'll get into all that next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, when you're obedient and you're doing the commands that he uh, tells us to, you're aligning with God's parameters, he wants to reward you and show you some grace and favor there. Let him do it. Well, and, you know, and that may be in this life. It may be in the life to come. Because this goes Matthew 25, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. I put you in charge of a few things. Now come be in charge of many, right, et cetera. First uh, Corinthians 3, there's, there's a number of passages on that. Um, but so first and foremost, let yourself receive these different types of grace from God in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. And then in turn, do the same for others. So start first and foremost with that, the unconditional delighting in, like I I even want to kind of move from unmerited grace to the delighting in grace. Hmm. And so just offer that delighting in grace. Now, what's one of the conditions for you? You have to delight in the person, Hmm. but we're commanded to love everybody, which includes delighting in. You can't do that on your own. You can't force yourself to be delighted in somebody. But it's the number one fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. So if you walk in step with the Spirit, He's going to help you become more loving. Mm-hmm. And so now that you're more loving, you delight in people more. And now that you delight in them more, you're going to offer them those beneficial gifts just because you want to. Yeah. And, and you already do that, with, hopefully, with some people in your life. But that should actually grow. And, and so we, you know, we were talking beforehand about the church and kind of where the church has fallen short in some areas. Um, imagine if we were more loving... Hmm. to more people, because it even says, love your enemies. It says, do good to them. Mm-hmm. So imagine if we showed more favor to other people, if we just delighted in them. And by the way, it really helps. Don't just give them a gift when you don't delight in them, because that looks like a handout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you truly are learning to delight in them, the gifts will flow, because you just want to, uh, which is really cool. So so start first and foremost with that type of just that, that delighting in showing grace to others. Um, and you know, and when others sin, show them that grace, the, the mercy and patience, etc. And then also there is that element. If certain people are being uh, obedient to God's will and they're carrying out certain things and, and they're doing good, mm-hmm. and you're in a position of authority that you can give them this, reward them and show them that favor. Right? These are all ways that, that we can do that. And something you were talking about while we were uh, going through the notes for the recording is a lot of times we don't do we don't show grace to people and we don't show love to people and we don't show any, any of those types. Yeah. So none of that's actually happening. And so people have this filter. Do you want to talk more about that? 
Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Or I can, yeah. Um, because a lot of time people are, they have this distorted filter because they're an unbeliever. And so they're seeing the world and it just doesn't really make sense. And especially when they see believers, they don't really understand what they're all about. And real quick on that. So if, if someone who, who's listening who hasn't drank the Jesus Kool-Aid, um, what do you mean I have a distorted thinking? <laughs> Every human on the planet has a distorted view of reality. Mm-hmm. Nobody sees reality clearly. One of the things we hope is that as one comes to God and starts reading Scripture, getting the wisdom, we hope <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. that clarity will will, uh, will you know will begin to happen. But we all start from a place of distorted thinking. We, we just we all need to accept that of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do appreciate you adding in that clarification there. Um, but a lot of times, what we do instead of trying to wipe away some of the grime that we have is that unbelievers have as they're looking at the church is we just tend to add to it. Mm. We just say, yeah, uh, you are going to hell and you need to repent. And we don't show love. We don't actually explain things. Yeah. We avoid people. We do all of these different things that as believers we're not supposed to be doing. And it actually makes the situation worse Mm -hmm. because what we need to be doing is we need to be showing love and we need to be showing grace and we need to start wiping away just some of this, these, uh, perceptions that people have and instead we actually just make it worse right because because overall there's this you know the bible talks about um salt and light cities on a hill um people flock to those things Mm -hmm. salt adds flavor and preserves um gives traction to it creates thirst for light shows you the way to go in the darkness city on a hill is defensible it offers protection camaraderie and community provisions etc so we as christians should be salt light cities on a hill people should uh, stars shining in the dark universe from philippians people should be coming to us saying we want to be near you and we want to be like you Hmm. and what we have right now in our society is why would i want to be like you Partly that's from their own misunderstanding or distorted thinking or whatever, but partly it's just what you said that we haven't. Not only do we not because you because we use the windshield. I imagine the windshield's all like full of mud or or whatever. We should be showing love and light and grace and delight and all these kind of things that the, like again because there's a huge part which is unconditional. Doesn't matter who the person is. We just want to show favor to you. And that's the kind of thing that washes the car, washes the windshield, so that people can see more. That's amazing. Why are you doing that for me? Um, God does it for me, and and I'm not just doing it because God does it for me. I, I was blown away by the fact, mm. by, by his system of doing things, of you just show everybody delight, and he's helped transform me, and I actually delight in everybody now because every human is amazing in different ways, and so I, I want to get to know you. I want to delight in you and offer you a gift, right? That's the kind of thing we should be doing, but like you just said, Zach, what we do is is not only do we not wipe the grime away, we, we add on grime, through our attitude and behavior and things like that. So it's a great point. I want to know, I'll say that too, on the behavior. With the merited or the, the earned or whatever, it's not just obedience and behavior. It's obedience and attitude. And this goes back to be do have. So I think, I think we, we kept talking about behavior, doing these things. It's also being certain things. So if you're being a certain way, if you're developing your character, if you're developing the be within you, God will show you. Uh, some reward for that, which which is awesome, which I've seen personally you know, in my life. Um, so so we, we found some specific verses that give some examples, and, and this is more of the um, 
the the delight in type of grace. Uh, and so, so what are different ways that humans can show favor to others? One is to relieve people in the midst of their distress. This is like from Jeremiah uh, 6, showing kindness to a despairing man so that he does not forsake his fear of the Lord. We also saw that helping others is a way that we can practically show this to others. So we can give and lend without charging interest um, and allow people to borrow. And um, I just lost my place in there, but that's from Psalms. And real quick on that. So so the Bible says sometimes you should just give mm-hmm. with not expecting them to repay you. Other times you can lend and they'll repay you later, but don't charge interest. Yeah. And then also along that idea of helping people, we need to offer wise words to other people. And that's in Ephesians 10. Ecclesiastes, I think. Yeah, that's a short abbreviation yeah. there. <laughs> Uh, another way that we can kind of show this favor to other people is forgiving them when they do wrong against us. Um, so mediating, pleading for them, ransoming a guilty person. We see that in Job 33. Uh, and then when, we're, when we are filled with contempt and scoffing. Oh, yeah, this is good. This is Psalm, uh, is this 123 or 12? Psalm, Psalm 123 too. When we're filled with contempt and scoffing, we should look to the Lord for a change of heart. That's that's true, man. Yeah, and that's that's one of those things, you know. Sometimes people say, "Oh, good grief! You don't need to listen to the Bible thing was written thousands of years ago. It has no application." Um, Psalm, where am I at? Psalm uh, one twenty three was written probably around a thousand BC, during the time of Solomon. Um, that, so here we are, thirty three thousand years later. That's totally still true today, yeah. <laughs> right? There's some wisdom mm-hmm. uh, with those things. Um, oh yeah. I think I read your point there. Yeah, it's okay. Um, and then another way is to to give gifts. Um, so like gifts to God. So we should be showing yeah. grace to God. We should be offering gifts to Him because we delight in Him. So Psalm sixty-eight, eighteen, uh, Psalm seventy-six, eleven. This could include like you know offerings, sacrifices from the mm-hmm. Old Testament. Um, this can include making and fulfilling vows to Him, or another way that we can show favor to Him. Um, and then people can can bring gifts and tributes to kings as well. We saw that in, in Psalms uh, 72. So those are just some examples. There's obviously more ways than that. Um, but but going back to with this application, should be receiving his grace in these different ways and then just mimicking that. And mimicking it not through rote behavior, but actually like buying into it head and heart. And it seems that the more you're receiving these different types of grace in all these different ways, and the more you're actually embracing that, and the, and the more, this is, goes back to maturity is required. It goes back to boat riding versus water walking. There's a whole bunch. This is not just something you go do. This is a transformation that must take place within you. Yeah, because this is something that you could try and go do. Like you could just try and um, show favor to people and you're going to get really frustrated really quickly with yourself and others because you're not going to want to do it. You're not going to be very good at it and it's just not going to be very effective. But if we can change our mindset to recognize that there is intrinsic worth in people because people are made in the image of God and if you can find nothing else good about a person that alone should be enough mm-hmm. for you to show favor to them and actually start seeing people the way God does. And I, I really do think that that's the only way that we can actually do this effectively is to recognize that when God looks at that person that you don't want to show grace towards, mm. 
he has a much different perspective right. than you do. And starting to tap into that is really where we can begin to see our own transformation and moving towards that. And that makes me think of, so in 1 Corinthians 13, when it's describing love, it says, you know, love does not take wrong into account. And so one of the things I'm realizing is God looks past our sins when he's dealing with us. And when I say he looks past, I am not saying he ignores, Mm -hmm. right? He sees them, he addresses them. But when he's feeling the way he wants to feel towards us, he's going to look past that wrongdoing and that sin. Um, It gets a little scary because it's kind of a too good to be true type thing. And I found myself sometimes struggling. Do I really believe that God does that? Hmm. Because if that's true, that's a game changer. And I'm pretty safe, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I don't want to start thinking that. And then it turns out it's not true because I'll be devastated. So I just won't think that. And I'll just think that God's pretty good. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. And so I'm trying to get out of that. And I'm trying to understand that, you know, God is that, as Anselm says, that of which nothing greater can even be conceived. So I can't think of a better version of God. Like, if, well, if God was like totally perfect, then yeah, he would be yeah. this way. Wait a minute, he is perfect, so he is that way. Hmm. Um, that changes my prayer life, which in turn changes the amount of sin that I do. Um, it also goes back to, you know, we said in the sin study, I am getting more and more convinced that sin is a secondary issue, mm-hmm. not a primary issue. And we we unpack that, uh, you and I and Connor, in, in a mm-hmm. six or seven part, eight hour yeah. thing on sin. We explain why I hold to that. But, but this makes sense that for God, it's a very real thing. Mm-hmm. He's dealing with it, right? It needs to be addressed. But it's a secondary thing for him. Yeah. And that his love and delight for us is a primary thing. And so that's why he shows all the patience and grace. And all. But again, grace, grace, not just the patience and mercy. On top of that, he just winks at me. Hmm. And he just smiles. He just gives me this, this little gift. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Why have I not thought of God that way before? You know, and this has been the last 10 years, right, that this has been coming on for me. But it's had a major effect on me. Um, and so I want to encourage people that, to, to let themselves, not just at the head, but at the heart level as well, really buy into this. Because um, it can be it, it, it can be a game changer mm-hmm. with that. Um, so so that's, that's what we wanted to say uh, about, about grace. Um, you can see where the elephant is, is in the room. And so we talked about like, so given this definition of grace, how does it play in with punishment or how does it play in with patience or mercy or any other things? So in two weeks, when we do the, the elephant episode, mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll discuss all that more, but we did want to go ahead and give one example now. So the idea is like, you know, for example, you know, going back to the beginning when we say, Hey, you probably should show that person grace. A lot of times what we're saying is don't punish them. Right, just show them some grace. And kind of, what we mean is that mercy and forgiveness, and we'll get into that next week. But the question is, can one punish and show grace at the same time? Maybe before this study, I would have said, I don't know. I'd be kind of, I don't know if it's possible or be weird or difficult or whatever. Now, yeah, no problem. So to, just to give it an example of how this might work, because remember, to punish in those first two layers is restorative, that you are afflicting them in some way, but trying to bring them back to a, a better way of living. Grace is to show favor to somebody. Now, and again, you had kind of the two parts there. So, so the example I give is like, 
I said, let's go back to the 1880s in the Wild West when, like, the judicial system was more simple than it is now. It's mm-hmm. too complicated now to give this as an analogy. Um, but somebody, you know, steals a, some cattle, and they get caught by the sheriff, and they get arrested. And they come before the judge, um, and, the ju- you know, all the evidence is there. Um, and he's found guilty, and so he's thrown into jail. And let's assume... Well, let's just, let's assume two scenarios. One a scenario: the judge is actually big on restorative punishment, and the other scenario, he's not. It's more the punitive punishment. Um, so, for that judge that's real big on restorative punishment, he's not putting the the guy in jail to punish him. Just to say, hey, so you because you caused harm to this cattle owner, cattle rancher, I'm going to cause you harm and put you in jail. That's not the point. He's like, listen, you need to, to rethink th- your priorities. You need to rethink the way the way life should work. And so I'm going to take you out of society for a time so you don't go steal other cows. Um, and I'm going to put you in this jail, but I'm going to be meeting with you uh, every day or the minister in town is all into this as well. And so he's going to be meeting with you every day. And, and we, we're going to let you know that you have value, that you have worth, um, that there's a better way that you can live, right? And try to restore them to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they're doing that, and then and they said, can let's say can that judge and that and that pastor show that uh, criminal grace, i.e., give them a gift? Yeah, like for example, th- let's say it's winter time, um, and let's say it's in Montana, and so they give him this extra. You know, for example, let's say the pastor or the judge at their home, their wife had made this really nice, thick, soft blanket, and there at the jail it was just these th- threadbare blankets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the judge or the pastor comes in and brings that person this nice, thick, soft uh, blanket to keep them warm because the jail doesn't have much heat in the winter, right? So does that gift, because so they're showing favor. They, they, they delight in this person. They want to show them, hey, we want to give you this gift, this blanket. Does that take away from the punishment? No, because no. the whole point of the punishment is restorative anyways. Mm-hmm. So, so what is the relationship between showing grace and restorative punishment? A really solid relationship. I mean, those mm-hmm. two go hand in hand. Now, in the second scenario, let's say the judge is, is more of a typical type person. They don't understand restorative justice, and they hold more to the punitive or retributive justice. And they say, we're going to throw you in this jail, um, and we're going to cause harm on you because you caused harm on another. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to stay in this cold jail for a time to, as a punishment for your crimes. And they're thinking that way. And they say, hey, you need to show them, that criminal, grace. You need to offer them a gift. It's going to be harder for that judge to do that mm-hmm. because his whole point is I want to punish you retributively. And so yeah. if I offer you some gift, it's sort of countering that. Yeah. I'm trying to make you suffer. Right. So why would I give you a blanket? Yeah. So, so maybe out of like, um, you know, some, kind of some gruffness uh, or whatever. He's like, fine here, t- you know, take this blanket because some, <clears throat> some part of his stone heart is actually still <laughs> soft and it's a freezing night. And so he gives him the blanket. So, so, so in that scenario, one could sh- give a gift and show favor and grace to while punishing somebody retributively a lot harder to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that shows you when you actually start getting to the accurate understandings from scripture, what these concepts mean, a lot of times you don't need to reconcile as much as you thought you did. Cause it actually almost like inversely, it actually goes hand in hand, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So, so for example, with that God may be punishing you 
for some sin you're doing. But again, he's not retributively punishing you, causing harm because you cause harm. He's bringing some affliction your way because long periods of gentle, quiet, patient warning wasn't working. And so now he had to up the ante and give a more severe thing to get your attention, that loud clap and yell. Um, but as he does that loud, like for example, like with, with ghosts, I might do that loud clap and yell. But then when she comes over, I pet her because she came to me and was obedient, right? And, and, and I showed her some of that that love. Um, there's a combination there. But anyway, so so God can, can show you... Um, um, grace when you sin with a p- mercy and patience, etc. Um, he can also show you grace by giving you a gift while he's actually bringing you affliction. And actually, I feel like there's some verses in Psalms or in, in the Old Testament that would flat out state that that God was afflicting, that he was bringing some affliction or sword upon the Israelites because of the rebellion. But even as he was doing that, he was still offering them gifts. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a mixed signal. Right, the two actually went hand in hand. So it's just a really cool thing with that. So we'll we'll go more into that when we do the the other episode um, in, in in a couple a couple episodes from now. Um, we'll elaborate more on that, but I at least wanted to, to, to touch on that. Um, so I, I think that's everything. So the the very last thing is just a personal takeaway. What was the takeaway from from for you guys, Tori? As you did the study a year, and you've already kind of touched on this in the beginning. But if you want to add anything else, or even even Zach, if we've gone through this this recording here, what was just one of the takeaways for you? A very practical, measurable takeaway. Um, now that you have a better understanding of what grace is. Yeah. So for me, I I keep going back to this initial definition that we talked about at the beginning of the episode, and I think it's really powerful when we make it personal. So we use I language instead of you or we um, like a collective group of us, like me personally, how does this affect me? So looking at this definition, remembering that, that God shows favor towards me because he delights in me because he loves me. Uh, He willingly, freely, openly accepts me and receives me. And then in sincere goodwill, because he wants me to experience beneficial things, offers me those generous, useful gifts Mm -hmm. in favor. He offers me those carrots. He gives me those little winks and and reminds me that he cares about me. Or better yet, I'm obedient and he's giving me these beneficial rewards because he's pleased with me and he's not just delighting in me. There's a new level and a new layer to it. Um And then I should be doing that to other people. Um, So taking that, you know, God does this for me. And I know that is true. And I have experienced that in in completely new ways over the last year as I'm kind of really understanding more of God's love. Mm -hmm. So don't have a full picture far from it. I've just scratched the surface, but it's significantly deeper than than I had before. Um, But when I start to accept that, and then and change that definite definition to other people. So I should show favor towards other people because I delight in them and because I love them and I'm willingly, freely, openly accepting them and receiving them. And when I'm not, we're going back to that Psalm 123 verse. When I'm showing contempt and, and scoffing mm. at them, I'm looking to the Lord to change my heart so that I do delight in them. And then I want them to experience good things because I've experienced good things and it's changed me in the past year experiencing that good from the Lord. And I want other people to experience that too because it's incredible. Like you and so try I'm, this. Yeah, yeah, like here, like taste and see that the Lord is good. Like this is so life-changing and incredible when you start to understand the love of God. So, so letting that love and delight in other people fuel that desire for them to experience for themselves yeah. that from the Lord. Um, and that's just kind of what is really sitting with me right now was really, you know, letting it sink in that God already does that for me yep. and let, letting that motivate me wanting to do that for other people. Cause I want them to experience that too. Yeah. 
The uh, the taste and see that the Lord is good. Is that a verse? Yeah, it's Psalm 34, 8, I think. So that's a perfect example of, that's one of those verses that people will just state to state. Right. But you're actually getting to a place now where you're actually experiencing that verse. Mm-hmm. More than just stating its reality. That's amazing. That's really cool. Zach, what about you? I think for me, one of the biggest changes is before this study, when I thought of grace, it was something that God did um, because he's perfect and loving and just and all these like fill in the blank of words. Um, So God did this, but it was more reluctant. It was like he has to because he's all good. And so he's going to show grace, even though he doesn't really necessarily want to, or at least that's the picture I had. Yep. And when you change mm. from that to all of this is a result of God's delighting in you because mm, he wants and his to. love for you because he actually just wants to do this. He just wants to give you a carrot. Like that's just, that's the God that I serve. And it's just so encouraging and um, it's just such a different perspective because when you actually have that as, you know, God really loves me and he doesn't just like, that's not just some concept for him. Like he's actively doing things and showing me favor, even when I don't deserve it. Sometimes when I am obedient, but that's just such a better picture than um, the picture that I did have, which is just begrudgingly just kind of, okay, I guess I have to do this mm-hmm. to no, it's out of delight. It's out of love and all these different things. And that's just so much more encouraging and really a much more accurate view yeah. of what's actually going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really do believe that in heaven, you know, we'll see with clear eyes finally. And I know there's no condemnation and no regret in heaven. And so I, I think I'm going to cringe like, I'm going to get to heaven, like, oh, this was you, which means, which means, oh, you know what kind of thing? And so I kind of, how I look at it is at the accountability session right before I get into the new eternal kingdom. <laughs> There'll be a little bit of that cringing. Um, and then heaven's all, okay, hey, but we're here now. It's all good. Um, but I think about that, and I'm like, man, I need to change the way that I, I talk with God and the way that I think and, and the way that I treat people, right, uh, a lot to that. Uh, I think the application for me, so so last year, you know, we did this, I, I've said before in the podcast, 2017 was kind of a rough year internally for me. I was just a mess. I was just a petulant, petulant child last year. And after the study, it was just a month or two after that, it bothered me, and I actually used it as a weapon against God. And I was yelling at him, like, hey, so I just found out that, hmm. you know, if I'm being obedient, that you'll you'll show me some favor and reward me. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that you don't, I can give a ton of examples of ways that you've shown me grace. Absolutely. I just feel like not enough, right? Mm. Like, like, um, that there's, there's, it seems that like you are eager to do this and I don't know if I feel that way. Well, in hindsight, I was in such an angry state and when you're angry, you can't think and see clearly. Mm-hmm. And so I was convincing myself that wasn't happening. Now that I'm not angry, I realize how stupid I was to think that. Uh, but anyways, so I was like, Lord, I wish you would, you know, cause I was also too, I was asking uh, for something, just something little and I wasn't getting it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, again, based on the study that I just finished, if, if I had somebody who was, who was loyal to me and committed to me and, and I, and they're very reliable and they never asked for anything. And then they asked for something small I would absolutely give it to them if it didn't cost me anything. I know I'm not perfect, 
but I'm fairly committed to you. I've dedicated my life to doing to doing all this stuff uh, and, try, and trying to be obedient, trying to transform and apply the details. Uh, and again, I'm not saying you have to show me anything, but I don't ask for stuff a lot. And I'm asking for this tiny little thing and you're not giving it to me. And I'm, I'm furious. Hmm. And so I was talking with a buddy of mine and one of the things he said was, but maybe there's some other gifts that he wants to give you and he's not going to give you all of them. Right. And so if he gives you this little thing, he's not going to give you the other things, but he knows you, even though he's not going to tell you what it is ahead of time, you would much rather have these other gifts. And so that's why he's not given this little one. And I heard it and I'm like, all right, maybe there's something to that. I don't know. I'm still kind of mad, but maybe there's something to it. So that was like August of last year. So then fast forward and I got ghost at the right before Christmas and then got that awesome part-time job on the side in January and then passed that test, a really difficult test in February. And right after I passed that test in February, I was taking a walk with ghost and, uh, and God's like, so those were three gifts I gave you hmm. because, because it was weird that how I got ghost, the, the job, you know, can you, buddy, my key to me, um, that test I wasn't ready for. And so God's like, so see, I knew back in, in the summer that I was going to give you those three gifts through the winter. And so I wasn't going to give you that little one. Um, and, and so all this started, you know, see, I am showing you these little wings, but you have to wait in my timing. So then I felt like an absolute jerk because hmm. I thought about how he cussed at him and was, I mean, I, I was just, it was bad, just furious with him. And I'm like, Lord, oh my gosh, why did I do that? You know, with this stuff coming and, 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 and all, and this, you know, and I struggle with God's really, really mad at me right now because mm-hmm. of the petulant way I behaved. And I felt like one of the things he says was, but here's the thing, son, when you were ranting and raving and cussing at me, and I've already told you, don't do that again. But having said that, as you were doing that back in August, I knew that we were going to have this conversation in February where you were going to come to grips with all of it. And so I was willing to roll with the punches a bit because you were going to come around. Hmm. Freaking blows my mind, you know? And it goes back to us just trying to like actually let, you know, understand the, the, the deep complexity of all these things and then letting ourselves believe that God really is those things. Uh, whew, right? That's just huge. And so that, that was, that was like the, the big takeaway. It took six, eight months. And so even this year, I felt like God's like for 2018, let me, let me show you, throw some more carrots. Let me throw some more wings your way with mm-hmm. some little things and, and having a hard time with it still. It's, it's mm-hmm. going to be a work in progress. So that's it. We're going to, we're going to stop there. So, so we hope, you know, as always, as you're listening to this podcast, if you've got questions or comments or pushback or whatever, feel free. You can email us at, at info at rekindlingministries.com. Uh, we still have never actually gotten an email. So as soon as I get one, <laughs> one day, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, but you can comment on Podbean um, on that too as well. But just let us know. You can go to the website, rekindlingministries.org. Um, we're looking at, down the road, by the way, revamping that hole and, and kind of making it a little clearer than it is. Uh, but anyway, so so thanks for listening. We hope that something stuck with you. Um, we hope that this can be, uh, be kind of a slow turn in the ship. Uh, in your relationship with God and something can come from it. And then uh, next week we will discuss mercy specifically so we can tie in grace and and mercy. And that one's going to be a a loaded, loaded (laughs) conversation. So Mm -hmm. we'll we'll see you for the next episode. Uh, So uh, take care. Bye.